Good afternoon, everybody, or good day, should I say. This is Scott, your host of Cue the Smoke with my co-host, Tom, out of the UK. How you doing, Tom? Good, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know you're watching the uh, the brackets fill out for the World Cup, and today's guest, everybody knows him, is Brad Howder, coach of men's DePaul soccer team, uh, host of a TV show called Coop Dreams, and the color commentator for the Indy 11. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, pal. It's good to be back. No, and thank you so much for the flexibility. Yesterday was interesting. I was on the way downtown to Indy 11 headquarters and things just got misconstrued. And I do appreciate your flexibility and coming back. Um, I mean, right out of the box, I was worried that we were going to go into the first game with no points and bottom of the table. Um, What I saw in the first half against Louisville gave gave me a glimmer of hope <laughs> the energy level picked up the intensity picked up and i don't know if it's just the way the mics are at lynn stadium but it seems like mark's intensity has picked up quite a bit too well i think you know as a coach when you start feeling that the boys are playing well it gets you uh it, it gets you to that excitement level i think there's times when things aren't clicking that you've got more concern and you're trying to figure out how to solve problems and when things are going right and the energy's right, you're trying to say, how can I keep feeding it? How can I keep stoking those flames? Yeah, and I think we heard a lot of that with Mark. I mean, he was, I heard a lot of him cheering or, you know, actually, you know, getting excited about the way AJ was playing in the back. I heard a lot of, you know, AJ, 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 and it was good stuff. It wasn't, you know, joysticking what we would call in a coaching type of world. It was all very positive, very uh, upbeat, and I think – even at the end of the game, even though it was a draw in playing Louisville, we'll take it because that's always a tough matchup to see Andy walk over and them guys embrace. And everybody was kind of happy with everybody's play. And then Elliot made USL uh, made the USL team of the week as a keeper. So he's been um, obviously, you know, everybody wants a clean sheet out of the keeper, but let's, let's be real that those don't happen (laughs) as much as we like them to. But I think this year, with all the pressure he's been under, especially the first two games, he's really held his own. One of the things as a goalkeeper, when you know, and you go through those uh, those, those first two games when you don't have a goal, there there's immense pressure on you as the goalkeeper because you're waiting for your team to find an offensive rhythm, and until they do, you feel like you can't make a single mistake, and that that level of pressure gets you a little tight sometimes in the back there. You know, now that, you know, they found the back of the net and they found a little bit of rhythm and you got some players coming back, hopefully that offensive dynamic starts to click a little bit better. And then at that point, you can relax. You can realize I can take a few chances here because if I make a mistake, we're going to get one on the other end. Interesting perspective. That, and that rings so true. And I think that rings true at all levels of play, all the way down into, you know, obviously the youth level. Um I've seen it with my son's team. You know, you start off and they start off slow and the offense really isn't clicking and they're not pushing the ball up the field. And I can see it on his face and his mannerisms, how he gets tense and things tighten up because he understands the stress that I think only a goalkeeper or goalkeeper's parents would kind of understand where the rest of the team is like, why is he freaking out? And I'm like, you guys don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. He's under, under a lot of stress, not to let anything get close. Yeah, and, and, and as the, in position, he's obviously going to be, you know, any goalkeeper in that scenario is going to be the one that is the, the most visible, uh, you know, pressure point 
And so he, it's more noticeable, but it has a ripple effect because your backs also recognize that your offense isn't scoring. And so they're less willing to take chances and have risks because they realize we can't let anything get into the, the box or the attacking third for this team because we're not able to get it back on the other end. So when you start having your goalkeeper playing a little bit tight and then your back line afraid to take chances, they, they drop. They start dropping really deep to keep everything in front of them. And then pretty soon you're playing the entire game in, inside your defensive third. And that never ends well. I mean, that's, that's, that is a pure game of, yeah, that's the pure game of numbers. Yeah. If you're living your life in your defensive third, yeah, that's, that's never going to end well for a whole lot of people. Tom, what have you been seeing from, I mean, you've been seeing the same, but you know, obviously did you watch the Louisville yeah. game? I know you did. Yeah. 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 The game against Louisville, I thought the team played much better overall. Um, they seemed to be in more of an attacking rhythm. Um, although I'd like them to have taken some more of the chances that they created first half, because I think by half time we could have been out of sight. Um, all we needed was probably take one more of those chances that were created, and I think would have held on. I honestly, do. Um, it's frustrating to concede in the second half, but I feel I felt it was coming because Louisville was putting me under a lot of pressure second half. Um, but yeah, excited for tomorrow night. Um, Hopefully, they'll, they'll, uh, he'll keep the same team because I think, um, well, unless Artiago's back, which I'm not sure about, but I would keep the same team for tomorrow night. Yeah, it was nice to see Nicky play up versus that yeah. that passive in the back. And, and I think that really created a lot of opportunities in our attacking third, obviously. Um, and it was really interesting, as much as I hate to say it, Usually when Hack is gone, we miss him immensely, but it almost seemed like it was like it wasn't a big deal as it usually is. And I think that has a lot to do with the way that they've kind of restructured that that back four, that defense and, and the, the way that they're playing now versus what they used to play, which was a very passive absorb all the pressure you can and then make the runs. And now they're all let's push up the field, attack, attack, attack and keep the pressure on. Um, I'll tell you, um, Rakestraw and I were talking about this, I think yesterday or a couple of days ago. Uh, we were trying to figure out if that was the first point we've ever achieved with Hackshaw out on international duty. And, you know, Rakestraw, his mind is like a... Beacon, he's a Wikipedia. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it took him a minute and he's like, uh, no, there was a draw back on such and such a date. And, and he was right. So, you know... It's an excellent point that, you know, when he's on international duty, that we, we, we don't typically uh, accumulate points. So to get one is a big plus. And, and you know, like Tom, like you were saying, that first half, you know, gives some hope and it gives you some idea of, um, you know, what can happen and what this team is capable of. Because that first 20 to 30 minutes, it looked really, really dynamic. I think you had Louisville on their heels. Danny Cruz made an adjustment. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the second half. Um, you know, and you, you look at draws that look like wins, and those are typically the one that you come back from and, and equalize. Um, this is one that I felt, you know, it looked at those first 30 minutes develop. It's like, we're going to, we're going to get three. If we can keep this up, we're going to get three points. Cause if we can get that second goal, we're in good spot. So it still feels great to get a point. 
especially when you're talking about on the road against Louisville. Um, and you see it in the players and you could see it in the coaching staff, the relief, not just to, 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 to grab that point, but to do it in the fashion that they've had three games on the road, two tough results, and then rolling into perennial powerhouse. And it's, and it's so interesting you say that because I think all of us, I know I was guilty of it. I overlooked Loudon. I looked at Loudon like it's a toss away game. We should walk in that place, walk out with a win because they've always been that team that we can just go in and get an easy win. But after I watched the game and was kind of listening to, to the announcers and, and they brought some, they shed some light. A lot of the United DC guys were coming down to play in that game. And obviously you could tell the level of play was a lot different than what we were used to seeing. And I think, honestly, I think it may have caught our guys off guard. Uh, but the, the weather conditions didn't help either, but, you know. Yeah, the, the weather conditions didn't help. You know, you hate having your opener where the weather's going to factor into it. Um, you know, but one of the things we always focus on as coaches is that weather's going to be here for both teams. They've got to deal with it as well. And even though yeah. they get to train in that environment, it might be a few degrees different for them in their training than us in our training. Uh, we both have to handle it. But I tell you what, in watching that game, they looked great. And that's always a, a challenge with a team like Loudon or Red Bulls 2 or Galaxy 2 that we're going to face is, you know, there's they're such transitory teams in that players are popping in and popping out that to develop any kind of rhythm or consistency is really difficult for the players and the coach. So to see them pop in with a lot of young guys that, that you know, are, are just starting out or haven't played with each other much, um, play the way that they did was really impressive job by them. And by, you're talking about Loudon, correct? Loudon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was interesting, yeah, to, to see that happen. And it's almost like we weren't completely gelled as a unit yet, too. And I think we're starting to see more in that come. And, and I guess for whatever it's worth, they were talking, the announcers were on the Lou City game, and they said Indy 11 fans don't fret. This is this is a Mark Lowry typical season start. And they showed his last three years. It's like 0-2, 0-1, 0-3, 0-2-1. So they were telling us, don't freak out yet. This is very typical with the Mark, yeah, Mark, Mark Lowry. Yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of, you know, when you look back and you start doing the autopsy on the parts of the season and do the autopsy on the games, you, you can find some things that you can find some comfort in. So as a coach, when you're trying to keep the guys together, you're saying, look, we got a lot of injuries. We got some key guys out with injury. We got guys on national team, dude. We haven't gelled. We got a new system. We got a new coach. There's new terminology. Yes, I agree with all of that stuff. Those are factors that play into it. But then when you look at it, and that's the accountability that goes into to having this be your job, whether it's as a player or as a coach, the accountability aspect is – this league outside of a couple teams has a tremendous amount of turnover in the coaching staff every couple of years in the players in that roster every couple of years. And so every, every division, every team is dealing with the same thing. And then you look at, at the start and you can say, okay, we've got a new coach, some new players, new terminology. The first game or two is going to be off, but then how do you explain Loudon who always has new players? Sometimes that's week to week. Exactly. And they come out and they're clicking. So, you know, the, the, the thing that you do when you're starting to do that deep dive and pull apart the wins and the losses and the psychology of the team is 
you do have to look and be honest with yourself on why some things may not be gelling. And all of those things have value, injured players, national team, new coach, new terminology, new players. But you also have to look at the accountability aspect that all of us are in that boat in this league. And how do we put the best group on the field and perform at our best week in and week out? Yeah, I think you've got to you've got to give it at least say eleven, twelve, maybe even thirteen games before we see what this team is actually going to really look like um, going forward. Once we we'll get thirteen games, are you nuts, Tom? We don't have that kind of time. Playoffs <laughs> this year, top of the table. <laughs> well, when you look at it too, you you are optimistic with what you saw in that first half. I think. Um, you know, and, and, and every game to game, everything is going to be a little bit different. But you saw um, Nicky Law, you saw Pino, you saw um, a lot of creative play on the left side that created opportunities in that first half. And I was really curious as to how much it was going to come into picture in the second half. Did we find a weakness on the left side that we're going to continue to exploit? Were we going to go away from it? Was Lou City going to, going to strengthen that side? What was going to be the difference maker? And I, I tell you, I thought that ball from Nicky Law was just absolutely brilliant, right in that seam, out of the reach of the goalkeeper, in behind the back line, and um, a, a brilliant header. Just had to lay out and get his head on it, and it was going in. Just imagine if Patty Segrist would have been around for that game. We could have had back-to-back brilliant headers. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. What a goal that was. His, yeah, his highlight, I'm like, whoa, okay, way to go, Patty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, things – I mean, Pino is obviously a huge – we got Arteaga back, which is going to be huge. Ayose, although he is the elder statesman of the team, he brings a lot to that team, um, especially in the midfield, the way that he moves up and down the pitch. And, and it's almost like, um, you know, people always say, well, you know, people are getting old, but age is not really a big factor when these guys almost have total muscle memory to what they need to do. It's almost a non-thinking – uh, portion of it and, and last week brad we we talked to john uh, morrissey from usl tactics and he said something that was kind of interesting too that rebellion was is a lowry guy and he understands the lowry process and the way that lowry plays and it almost seems like he was connected to the lowry way when the rest of the team was still like a step behind trying to get into this new rhythm and this new shape and the new way that they play but I think those things started to click in the first half at Louisville. I think whatever was said on the bus ride down, you know, obviously settled into somebody's gray matter. So, yeah. Well, I think there's two, there's sometimes as a professional, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, some, some ego and pride that goes into it and Owen two and not scoring a goal. You have a different level when you walk into that next locker room. Like, I don't care who it is. We're going to play. It's not going to happen today. We're going to find a way to get a result. And you, you talk about the, the, you know, the loss of minutes with Iose and him being an elder statesman. And it's kind of, it's really cruel when you look at this gift that these players have, that it has an expiration date. It has a shelf life. There becomes a certain amount of time when the legs just can't perform at that level anymore. And I don't think Iose is anywhere near that place right now. But what, what is odd is as the body starts to break down, the mind and the IQ is, is at this elite level. And you saw combinations last year when Nikki Law and Iose were kind of in the same quadrant, their ability to keep the ball away from three, four, five opponents 
was ridiculous. It was like they were reading a war and peace book and the <laughs> defenders were looking at the cliff notes trying to figure out where the story goes. And they weren't even talking. And that's <laughs> that's the crazy thing. It was just like mental telepathy between the two guys that just knew this is what we can do. This is how we do it. No, and it was amazing to watch where some of the younger guys were probably going, you know, yeah. obviously a lot of teams were on their heels going, no, there's no way these two guys are going to do this to us. And they did it more than once right. coming down that left side. So it'll exactly. be good. It'll be great to see Iose come back just for that and his leadership. And, you know, obviously that'll help the team in itself. Um, going to backpedal a little bit, you know, losing Jordan to San Antonio. I'm so happy for Jordan personally, not happy. Great guy for the community. Great relationship. I think, I think the fact that they lent him to San Antonio was good for him. And I'm glad they did. It worked out good for him. And then Bobby Edwards, um, I'll, I'll say this very selfishly. I'm glad he retired because now he trains my son every week. So, so there is some of that, some of that greedy aspect to it, but I think Bobby has really hit his stride. He loves to teach and coach. And he's so good at it. Now, if you look at it from Bobby's perspective, he's selfish too. He said, look, I'm going to leave playing because I want to go coach Tim. (laughs) Hey, Bobby, did you hear that? GK Union is very strong. (laughs) And I think I look at at Jordan and and Jordan was absolutely beloved by by this community. And and I agree with you. I think that move um, in the playoffs last year to San Antonio was a big one. I think it sparked both of their interest in in a relationship. And what's interesting is, you know, I came out of a small school and went pro and very similar to Jordan. And, you know, his run with Indy has been strong. And and in that time, you get the confidence to know that you can play at this level. But it's really kind of that second team. When that second team buys in and says, yeah, we, we believe in you as well, that your confidence hits another level because it's not just, okay, this one team believes in me, but outside of that, there's nobody else. And... You know, once you realize I'm an established pro, I can bounce from team to team um, and I can do this job. And other people believe in me besides the just the club and the and the guys that that found me. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because he is in a battle down there. Boy, they've got a, a deep roster of talented goalkeepers. So I keep waiting and keep hoping because I want to see him play his playoff run. I mean, I'm telling you, it was it was a Jordan that I, I knew he could do that, but I've never seen him perform like that like that one when he tucked the usl keeper was it the keeper of the month when he had those those three rapid fire boom 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 almost reminiscent of iu's keeper in the big 10 against northwestern when he had those four pop off on him real quick and he even said like he told greg i think you know roman told greg it was just all reflex it it just happened so you know you love to see those things and good for jordan Good for Bobby. Elliot's a solid replacement. Looking forward to see, you know, what he produces throughout the year. And but I, I got to say, going back to Jordan's playoff run, did it feel for you guys the same way I felt for me? Like we were still in the playoffs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We watched. We, it, it's so funny. Yeah, because we would watch and we were screaming at the TV just like we were downtown at the mic cheering them on. Now, what will be funny in August when San Antonio comes here, it'll be funny to see how, how the battalion treats him. Will he be welcomed as come home or will he be, (laughs) you know how it's going to turn out. It's going to be ugly, but he's going to embrace every moment of it. (laughs) 
He's got to be. They loved him. He loved them. It, yeah. I just can't see this fracturing that. No, and I can see him up there playing the drums. But we won't talk, ab- we won't talk about that because I think he got in a little bit of trouble for that one. <laughs> did you see that one, Tom? Yeah, I did see Yeah, the he drum. was supposed to be in rehabbing his wrist after injury, and I look up and I'm like, you, oh, God, Jordan, no. Do, no, ownership does not just need to see you up there playing <laughs> at the drums. Yeah, I think he'll get he'll get a good reception, but then as soon as that whistle blows for the first minute, he's he's San Antonio's goalkeeper, yeah. so game on. And if he's in goal, it's gonna be it'll be crazy. That will be interesting <laughs> to see if that happens. Yeah. So what's interesting is in a, a lot of the contracts, um, you know, when you sign, it, it says you're not gonna do stuff like skydiving, you're not gonna ride motorcycles, you're not gonna do these things because they don't want to jeopardize your your ability to compete in a match. Because you do something crazy. So I wonder if drumming in the BYB is going to be added into it. <laughs> we'll call that the Jordan Clause. <laughs> and he's still he's still the outro on all of the podcasts. They oh. did a mic, they did a mic'd up session, and he says, I don't know about you, but I sound really good in these headphones. And he was singing, <laughs> and singing is not his forte. But anyway, no, it's it, yeah, and, and it was and it's funny, Brad, you said that because we um I don't know if you know that Greg reached out to me and bought one of my pictures, like one of the initial pictures for his man cave. And I'm like, that's kind of close. So we had the same picture made up. We gave it to Jordan because it was of Jordan and it was from behind. And it was kind of the picture that started this whole podcast, this whole, this whole thing that I'm doing, whatever we want to call it. And so we brought one to Jordan and Jordan gave Tim his third kit from San Antonio. Oh my God. Before, before he left us. So Tim's got his jersey still hanging in his closet, a yellow, a yellow San Antonio jersey that will never be sold, never be released, yeah. which I thought was really kind of cool. But was it a premonition of things to come? Because he did tell us when we met him, he's like, dude, I got bad news. I'm like, what? He goes, the club didn't resign me. And we're like, what? He goes, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And we all kind of looked at him like, because I thought Jordan was a shoe-in. Quite yeah. frankly, I thought it was a done deal. He's going to be our number one. We'll go get some. him and Bobby come back, and we build off of that. And it was kind of shocking, but, you know, sports can be very cruel, too. I mean. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I've learned not to make friends with players anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, that doesn't. The bad thing is I got to relearn everybody this year. Yeah. I know you've had to go through that with Greg. You guys are probably going, okay. And not with Greg, because Greg just. Yeah, yeah. I just sit next to him and I'll throw a couple words in every now and then he can run with it. Yeah. And I, and I like you guys work so well together because I think last year you said the rule was inside the 18 is Greg. Let that all happen. And then in between the 18s is Brad's turn to shine and do your thing. And I think that works so well um, when you two are work together. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's a there's a rhythm with it. And like he'll know when I'm about to make a point. And if he's got a read or something, he'll just he'll just, you know, make a notion. And, and I know what he's saying is just give it a beat, give it a minute and, and let me get this out. And it's the same the other way. When I recognize that there's something that he's about to say, I can I can start to cut my point and. You get that rhythm after eight years together and you start to uh, recognize the, the speaking patterns and, and when somebody's about to break the sentence and when somebody's about to 
to jump in on a thought. And I know he's got some funny stories about uh, our first couple meetings together. Um, oh, we'll bring that up on the next podcast. We'll get everybody yeah, together. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to tell those. Um, I'll buy the beer. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's interesting because it's been a um, a crazy journey, and he's so good at what he does. And you know, I need to make sure that uh, with his personality and his knowledge that I, you know, uh, that I add to it and, and add a little color here and there, but I don't need to do what some other color commentators need to do because he is so gifted. But, it, but it, you and, and Greg works so well together because Tom will tell you more than anybody, more than me, because unfortunately Tom gets relegated to the YouTube or whoever's announcing and, you know, there is a big difference and you can tell who struggles together. You can tell who's not comfortable together. And it's almost like you and Greg, obviously, you know, we don't see on TV. You guys may have hand signals going on and I get that, but the flow of the communication is never really broken. He'll start well, something. Go ahead. I, I give you a little inside secret. <laughs> sure. We actually like each other. <laughs> Which, comes that, across, goes long, comes that goes a long way. So <laughs> he and his family, they come out here um, once or twice a year. So just two days ago, he brought his family out and they, we walked the farm and they, you know, they saw the turkeys, they saw the cows, they fed carrots to the, the horses. And then we oh, went that out is and we so had cool. together. Yeah. So when you look at, at guys that work together, when you can also have that, the families connect and socialize together. You know, that helps if you've got a bond like that, you know, hopefully it comes out on the air as well. So would it be fair to say that you and Greg are the Madden and Summerall of USL? Nine year relationship. That's pretty long. Those two guys are iconic. Rakestraw is iconic. I'm a coattail rider. Yeah, so, but Rakestraw is not Rakestraw without Howder. There has to be, I mean, Batman had Robin, right? I mean, come on. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, now you take a look at him on high school baseball, high school basketball, the Colts. The guy is, he's, he's got a gift. No, he, yeah, he, he does it. have. He knew it when he was five years old. His mom actually came out with him two days ago. And I met his mom and, he, and I said, when did you realize? And she said, oh, when he was four or five. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, if your, your mom can tell what you're going to do when you're four years old, but again, he probably came when the doctor spanked him when he was born, he probably started talking like that. <laughs> you probably knew the doctor's stats. <laughs> hey, hey, doc, I know you're, I'm your 483rd delivery and your average delivery time is X. <laughs> he probably <laughs> For Absolutely. some reason, that's not too far from the truth. I, I already, I can see it now. So, oh, that's brilliant. what do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you had a crystal ball, do you think the playoffs are out of reach? Do you think it's a well, team I, of know, rebuilding? I, Louisville is a great measuring stick. Tampa Bay and Louisville are great measuring sticks. You know the, the um, we look at the turnover in the league and, and you look at um, Phoenix right now is struggling. El Paso, who had, you know, an unbelievable season last year is 0-3. Um, you look at Birmingham is bottom of the table. Yeah. So 
you look at how difficult it is to win and win consistently in this league, and you look at Lou City, who has found and written the blueprint on how to do it year in and year out. They're there. And so when you can have a performance like, like that first half, that's a great measuring stick as far as what this club is capable of. And then you take a look at the injuries. You take a look at the guys that aren't participating in, in that match. The fact that they're still trying to understand and learn what coach wants from them. You can get optimistic on what you saw last Saturday. Now it needs to be consistently, you know, week in and week yeah. out, that that's the level that you expect. And if that's the case, I don't think the player off the table by any means. Good. Uh, yeah. And I think if the consistency starts to come and we see a team, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm happy just to see a team that progressively every week is getting better. If they start showing that momentum of getting better, you know, getting more, more shots on goal, more shots on the frame, think good things will start to happen. You right. can't win a soccer game if you're not shooting the ball. Pure and simple. I mean, when it breaks it down to everything, you know, I mean, I love to see my son have 15 saves, but not really. I love it when my son goes, dad, I was bored. That means we won and we had a good time doing it. So, yeah. Interesting that you say that because I just had a discussion with a goalkeeper recruit yesterday. He asked what I'm looking for in a keeper. And I, you know, I give all the different things that we physically want, you know, great reaction time, good with your feet, all, all of this stuff. And I said, probably one of the most important elements is this non-visible thing. If you can start to spot where the breakdown is coming two or three plays in advance, and you can pull the strings and move the guys in. So you never have to deal in crisis. That's a great goalkeeper, but you're not going to get the dramatic save. You're not going to be on the poster. You may have a headache and your voice might be gone at the end of the game, but what you're looking for are those high IQ guys that can spot things two, three, four plays ahead of when they're going to happen and already start putting the pieces in place to counter it. That say it louder for the 13 year old in the other room. <laughs> we were scrimmaging the other night. It's funny you say that. And his center back was running full speed with the attack coming at him and our center back, instead of playing the ball back to Tim as a viable 11th player tried to turn it. And like I told Tim, I said, Tim, you need to talk to your backs. You need to let them know that you are a viable option. Play the ball back to me, get the quick relief, and then distribute the ball out. Okay, Dad. And then the next day I said, do you know why? And he said, well, he kind of looked at me. I said, son, if he gets beat, it's two-on-one, three-on-one. We don't want that. Better you kick the ball away and live to fight another day than make somebody's highlight reel. So, yeah, and that that's, it goes back to that IQ, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and what's interesting is that IQ develops through a lot of mistakes, through a lot of moments like that. So, you know, it, it, it starts to happen where you recognize it after the fact what the change needed to be. Then that next progression is you recognize it in the moment what you should have said. And then it goes to the fact that you're recognizing it two, three, four plays before it happens. And, you know, I, I go back to a goalkeeper that I coached about – uh, gosh, it might have been 20 years ago now, who wanted to play with a higher back line. And we started talking about what are the tactical advantages and disadvantages of it. And when we pulled it apart and started peeling back the onion, he's like, look, I want more breakaways. I'm really good at defending breakaways. And I'm like, you know what? As a coach, I'm trying to prevent those. No. <laughs> what you're trying to build is not what we're going to do here. 
hey, coach, put all put all ten on the other attacking half. I'll, I'll be okay back here by myself. Right, right. We had to hey. explain the whole team concept. <laughs> that is too funny. We're getting we're getting get, get close on time. Anything you want to leave us with, Brad? I mean, obviously, this has been this has been a great one because I I just enjoy talking soccer, whether it's Indy Eleven, DePaul. Um, so how'd you guys end up for the spring real quick? Uh, we, we only are allowed one day of competition. So we had Arian university coming in and, uh, university of Southern Indiana coming up. We were going to play kind of like a little round Robin tournament and break down on the bus from USI. So they never made it. So we just All played right. Marion. We played two games with Marion. We the first one, one, nothing. They won the second one, one, nothing. But, you know, great, great performance from both teams. I was really excited to see where we are. Um, and, you know, a couple of things. As we were talking, we were talking about injuries and we were talking about new coach and new terminology and national team. But one thing that I, that I also think you have to factor in is the three games on the road and two of them being against, you know, Top one two. and two in yeah. the division and, and Loudon, who looks like they're going to be a, a force um, – you know, a force this year. Uh, hey, Tom, who did the who who wound up as the final one in the group? Oh, it's interesting, actually. So we've got we got um, less than a minute, Tom. Who do we got in Group B? <laughs> England, USA, Iran, and then it's either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. Because oh, Scotland wow. and Ukraine oh. are yet Scotland and Ukraine have still got to play the playoff game. It's obviously that's, been postponed with the war going on. Yeah. So, a lot of levels. so that that's wow. that's gonna happen. And then it'll so it'll either be Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine in the same group as England and US. I don't know about you, but I sounded really good in these headphones.